Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles, and we're going to have an enjoyable chat this morning, Keith, uh, given that that was one of the more memorable Florida State wins that I can recall being associated with in a long time. It's been a while since we've had one like that, back and forth, but Florida State didn't quit and overcame adversity, and that to me is the biggest thing from a, from a team and a program standpoint. That's a huge step that we've seen this program take. They did it against LSU, too. They've started to do, do it more of late as Mike Norvell gets his culture ingrained with the program. But that, that's the starting point for me is, is overcoming adversity. Well, and I think that word culture uh, goes a long ways towards overcoming that adversity. And, and Coach Norvell was adamant in his postgame press conference that, I mean, he got, he, it was almost like he was agitated. It was almost like he was defending, you know, their process and the work that they had done and, and just reinforcing that the reason the kids were able to make that comeback is because of the training and the practice and the dedication uh, over the last months and even a couple of years that equipped them to be in the position to make the comeback and answer every time they needed to. He would, he was frighteningly, uh, convicted. Uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, it was a side of him. I really hadn't seen much in, in a while. I saw lots of comments on social media saying that his press conference needs to be sent to every recruit and prospect around because he was so passionate and so proud of what his team did. It, I don't think Keith, if you and I, this would be a terrible draft to hold, but if we had held a draft before the game and said, okay, who are the two players that you can least afford to lose out of the 85 or however many on scholarship? I'm pretty sure Jordan Travis and Jared Verse would have gone one, two. I mean, certainly Travis would have been at the top. Maybe Verse would have been third. I don't know. But then if you throw Fabian Lovett not playing, he would have been in the top five, too. I mean, you couldn't have a worse hand than what they were playing with last night. And though maybe Florida State fans don't appreciate because you and I've have both been there several times and obviously you were there last night that stadium is a very difficult stadium to play in it doesn't get the notoriety that Clemson or LSU or Michigan or Ohio State gets simply because it only seats plus or minus 50,000 it doesn't seat 80,000 or 100,000 but that's as loud and as dominant a home field advantage that Florida State will probably play in this year. It's right up there with Florida Field. It's right up there everywhere. I have no idea what the turnout is when they're playing Wake Forest or Syracuse, but it's always a good crowd when they're playing Florida State. And you're right about that. Matter of fact, Jeff Colhane on the radio, uh, he was he was a little disappointed at the start of the game. It was a late arriving crowd. I mean, the stadium was maybe half full when they kicked off. And I, I could I could sense he was thinking, what, what in the world is this? I thought it was going to be big time. And then by the end of the first quarter, and now the stadium never got totally full, but it was probably 90% full, 85% full. And right when Louisville got the lead at 14-7, that was the first time it got loud all night, which is why, again, to me, that's the moment. How is Florida State going to respond? Now, you thought it was going to be easy. You had the lead, and two possessions later, you're now down a score. And Florida State got the ball and went 75 yards, I think it was, on that drive after a touchback. Uh, immediately and huge chunk plays and tied it up and said, Hey, we're here to play tonight. We're not here to just give this to, to Louisville. That was really impressive. That now that was when Jordan was still in the game, obviously. Two things during that first half jumped out at me uh, in particular. Number one, uh, the composure 
You didn't see, <clears throat> pardon me, pre-snap penalties. You didn't see mistakes. And number two, answering every time, you know, you took one to the, to the chin, you had to answer with another one of your own, a roundhouse right to counter that left jab or whatever the case may be in, in that silly analogy. And FSU did all of that. And then Travis goes down and Tate comes in and, and he did not perform well at all in that second last part of that second quarter. And Coach uh, Norvell talked about the fact that he, he, when he got in at halftime, he, he finally relaxed. He used the term, took a deep breath. And it was a very different – Rodemaker came in in the second half than was there in the first half. Yeah, no question. And I talked to Tate about that uh, after the game, the fact that he got to come in and basically calm down during, uh, during halftime. You know, halftime gave them a break to take 15 or 20 minutes, figure out what part of the playbook is best suited for Tate based on what Louisville's doing. And it also gave a chance for the whole team to, to kind of reassure Tate. And so that, that definitely helped them. I mean, he, he said as much. And then you get the ball to start the second half and you go back, you, you go down and you immediately tie the game. What they did is they simplified things. They, they, uh, they just ran the simple slant, uh, uh, slants based on how many guys Louisville had in the box, it was either going to be a run or an easy pass where, where Tate knew where he was going. And he completed those two slants, got Louisville back a little off balance, and it was an impressive drive. And then he had the scramble on that drive too, which was huge. Well, and everybody forgets because he's so tall and lanky, you know, everybody forgets he is a very good athlete. Now, he's not Jordan Travis. He's not Malik Cunningham. But he's also not, you know, Chris Winkie <laughs> you know, that has a difficult time running out of a phone booth. Uh, he can move. And then, you know, that pass that he threw to Wilson, the 69-yarder, uh, I don't know where you were on the field, but they had a couple of replays from the Alt-22, i.e. from the back of tape. And, and where he threw that ball, if you did not know it was a replay, and if you did not know it had been caught, the angle he threw that ball, he threw that ball 22 yards in front of, in front of Johnny Wilson. I mean, you would look at it and say, there's no way he's going to catch up to it. And it was just beautifully right, right on target. How about Johnny Wilson, by the way? I mean, we were wondering, we, 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 maybe it's not nitpicking because he did drop a touchdown in each of the first two games. Now they would have been tough catches, each of them. And I still Agreed. think in that Duquesne game, I think the DB got there early and, and hit him early. And that's why, it, but regardless, uh, seven for 149 and two scores, that, that was, that was a welcome party of, and, and two other parts of that. Number one, you know, when you have that size and that, that straight line speed, you know, you're going to immediately be everyone's favorite. Why aren't we getting the ball to him? He's so tall. He's so fast. Well, remember, you got to learn the system and you got to develop some camaraderie with the quarterback. I mean, you just can't, this is not, you know, pick and pluck and, and play. Uh, it takes a while. And he's now coming into his own. And uh, the second thing that, that is interesting to me is he was targeted eight times and, and came up with the ball seven. You know, that's a pretty high ratio. And some of the catches that he made, particularly in the end zone, were, were um, I mean, they weren't easy catches. They might have been as difficult or even more so than the ones he didn't come up with against LSU and Duquesne. And so that shows maturity on his part as well and growth. Well, the one right over Brownlee, tremendous catch even better throw really better maybe, throw you're correct 
I mean, that was an unbelievable, that was a big time throw. So Tate has some skills, and there'll be plenty of time for us to talk about Tate, uh, assuming Jordan is out for a little bit. And I think that's a safe assumption, but how long, I don't know. And Mike Norvell did not say anything about the injuries in his post-game press conference. And so anything I could add is just pure speculation. Everybody saw it on TV. He went down, he pounded the turf. Uh, They went and took him for x-rays right away. Then he had wound up back on the sideline after the game, uh, you know, in a boot. So it's pure speculation and how he heals on that. But Tate, the the thing they're going to have to figure out with Tate is how to calm his nerves when he first comes in, because we saw it against Duquesne. We saw it uh, on the road at Louisville, two different environments, but sort of the same thing until he's into the flow of the game. Maybe it's, he gets hit. He he's, he's losing his uh, you know, he's throwing off the back foot. He's just not dialed in. Once he got dialed in, then it was just like practice again. Now I'm just, I'm out here. I know what the plays are. Let's, let's play football. So they're going to have to figure out how to cross that bridge with him. I think. Uh, to me, and, and and I'm not saying that this is the absolute answer, but to me, that'll take care of itself. In fact, that second half may have taken care of it for his career going forward. He just hasn't had any success in those prior outings, at least by his standard. So now to be able to come in in that second half and have that type of, uh, of performance, I think that'll go a long way towards those nerves personally. Yeah, hopefully that. And the good news is you're at home for your next game. It's a night game, which on the one hand, that means he's got to sit around all day, right? But it means that it will be a loud and proud Dope Campbell Stadium. And also, if you were going to handpick out of the rest of Florida State's opponents who you'd want to have Tate make his first start again against, it'd probably be Boston College or Georgia Tech at home, right? So, I mean, from that standpoint, he's going to get like, again, this is me saying this, he's going to likely get his first start in in that scenario. The other injury issue, um, and, and again, I don't have any further update. I'm sure you don't either. Uh, regarding verse, um, I will simply tell you that did not look good on television. And um, it was friendly fire. He got run into by his own teammate. No, no criticism there. That happens. But the way uh, his knee was hit and the way he reacted, I am scared to death for that. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I hope so too. I didn't, I have not seen the replay yet, but that's exactly the way it was described to me by everybody who was watching the game on TV or saw the replay. Yeah. We'll just have to cross fingers. And and again, it, it's all pure speculation. I think the best case, my opinion, purely my opinion, the best case for either of those guys is you're looking at, you know, four to six weeks, three to four weeks just to, to, to get those. And that's the best case, but again, that's pure right. speculation. Right. I do think, um, and, and this is conjecture too, because ultimately if there's, if there's still uh pain involved, they'll have to do MRIs and all that. But Robert Scott uh, Jr. Who went out, it appeared to me that he could have gone back in. They had put Darius Washington in looked bad when he was assisted off the field, but shortly he wasn't in the injury tent for long. I don't know that they did anything other than give him the test. I don't think they equipped him with a different brace or anything. He had his helmet on. So I think he could have gone. But again, who knows how he feels today when he goes, all the players go in to get treatment the day after a game. You kind of got to report in where are your ailments, what's hurting, let's check you. So I, I again, that's pure conjecture from my standpoint. By the way, that checking in after the game has been a longstanding tradition at Florida State. 
the reason that it's done today is far different than the reason it was done 40 or 50 years ago. Uh, 40 or 50 years ago, it was done so that you didn't come in on Monday and say you were hurt and try to get excuse for practice. <laughs> you had to show up on a Sunday, or in this case, a Saturday, and, and get verified by uh, one of the uh, trainers. Uh, nowadays, the kids are very committed to their injuries and their rehab and that type of thing. That wasn't necessarily the case, quote unquote, back in the day. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, well, let's continue on the offensive side. Then we'll get to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Johnny Wilson, Tate was the story. Uh, Jordan Travis was honestly the story before he got hurt. I mean, he started 11 for 11, and I think he wound up 13 for 17, and one of them was a throwaway. One of them was the ball that hit Cam, had Cam got hand. his head around. In the hand. Hit yeah. Cam had, in the hand. Had he gotten his head around us, he was just starting to turn, so the timing Correct. was off by that much. Well, Jordan and was once, rushed. He had to deliver the ball a little sooner than I think he wanted to. And, yeah, and so, yeah, so I don't know if that was – yeah, you might be right. It was – in the moment, it felt like Cam didn't get his head around, but it, it may well be that Cam was getting his head around at the at the correct time, and, and the ball just came out a tick early. Unfortunately, that one was picked off. But but Jordan and, – and what Florida State did, Keith, they, they expected and guessed right that Louisville was going to load the box. That's what they did the second half against UCF and, and really try to take away the run. So Florida State just came out selling play action – and making easy throws or setting up easy throws for Jordan. He made them look easy. And, and that's how they went up and down the field twice. And really there was a, the, the, there was a drive where they should have gotten a field goal too, but it was no good. Well, we'll talk about the, the negatives, uh, but I want to mention one other thing. Uh, and that's the night that uh, Treshawn Ward had, um, you know, 10 carries netted 126 yards, had that real nice 46 yard scamper. I mean, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, Benson got the ball 10 times. Uh, Tofili got it six, made the score on that nice 15-yard run. I mean, the Knolls ended up with 189 yards of rushing, and that's after you subtract the 40-plus the yards on the sacks and the, and the TFLs. So you would have to say that, that even though the box was loaded, that FSU probably executed about where they wanted to and how they wanted to in the running game. Now they had to do it by play action, RPOs and that type of thing, maybe a little different tact, but uh, I think the success was there. Well, I think as you play this forward and you look at it, team, this is assuming that Tate's going to be the guy for a little bit in much the same way that teams were saying, make Jordan beat you with his arm. They're now going to say, we got to, Let's make Tate beat us. In other words, they're gonna they're gonna load up to take the take the runaway, and Tate's gonna have to make some throws. The good news here is when you have a guy like Johnny Wilson, uh, you can't just say, "Well, let's just leave him out there." Single coverage, we'll play man. You got to think twice about it. And then the running game is adept enough with that trio of backs that that there are some weapons there. So it's not just a slam dunk if you're the opposing team to say, Oh, we'll just go in and we'll shut down Tate and then Florida state can't do anything because they just well, proved they can. Yeah. And don't, don't forget the ability to throw the ball to the backs out of the backfield. Um, you know, that's a part of Norvell's and, and Atkins offense that we've seen some, but we certainly haven't seen it as much as we maybe have seen it in the past when it needs to go to all three of those backs, all four of those backs can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Defense. It was obvious that not having Fabian Lovett was pretty big because 
up the middle, Florida State was not as stout as they normally are. And then you lose Jared Verse right away. And so your two bet your best D tackle and your best D end, maybe the two best guys on your defense are both out. And you're playing Malik Cunningham, who is just nasty to deal with. Your general thoughts on how the defense and why the defense struggled in the first half and then what was different in the second half, especially later in the game when they did get a few more stops in the second half, including the game ceiling interception. Well, two things. Number one, they played a lot more zone, which you have to do against a scrambling quarterback like Cunningham. You, 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 whether it was intentional, subconsciously or otherwise, you just play a lot more zone when you face a quarterback like that because you can't afford for your defensive backs to have their backs turned and he breaks through the first seven and then he's, he's just running in daylight. Number two, um, you know, Louisville's got a good running attack even without Cunningham. I mean, Jordan ended up with 17 carries and 91 yards, averaged 5.4 yards a carry. I mean, again, the record doesn't reflect, but that's a good Louisville offense. And, and so uh, I think schematically, Florida State had to do some things a little differently. I think there was a hesitation with love it out and maybe not having that defensive line the way you want it. And for the first time in a long time, I don't know if you picked up on this, but they ran a spy uh, technique. And, you know, sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Uh, but uh, that, you know, that's basically giving up a defender that's only going to do one thing, and that's fall around the quarterback. And if the ball happens to come his way with somebody else, maybe he can have help with the tackle. I think the the thing is, and Kalen Deloach was the spy, and he spied a couple times against the LSU quarterback successfully. But last night, and this is because Malik is such an athlete, better athlete than LSU's quarterback, there were bad angles involved or or he got juked. And so, like you said, it's just giving up a defender. Uh, I, I guess, you know, to me, somebody, if you think of the FSU team, and this would this would change your defense around if you used him in this role. Jamie Robinson maybe is the best suited one to do that because he's physical and, and faster than Kalen as a safety. But then you're moving a lot of parts and pieces around, you know. So I don't, well, and, and the problem with that is on the designed quarterback runs, which if I'm Louisville's offense, I run that six or eight times a game. You know, a designed quarterback run. You've got you've got somebody in Robinson who's not necessarily used to playing that close to the line of scrimmage and not used to peripherally figuring out a tackle or a guard coming after him. And and that's not a good recipe either in those right. plays. Right. Well, it, it seemed as if when, I don't know if this is the way you saw it. It seemed as if the defensive line was not intent on rushing the quarterback, getting to the quarterback so much as rush and contain, which obviously didn't work. But when you look at it and you say, boy, they're not getting any pass rush. Well, they weren't trying to meet eight yards behind the line of scrimmage at the quarterback because that quarterback would not be there. He'd be up the sideline for 25 yards. Unfortunately, exactly. Malik is just so talented that that philosophy didn't work either. I mean, it, you got to pick your poison. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's talented. He's going to get you. You know, there's going to be X number of plays that, you know, all right, you win. Pure talent, pure skill, you win. You just got to limit those, not make, you know, let those be 20 yard plays and not 70 yard plays. And, and you've got to make sure that, that you're paying attention when they occur and, and you're helping, but that's, that's just the danger. That's the, that's the challenge of facing a, an offense like Louisville's period. The end. 
Yeah, so Louisville drops to one and two, zero oh and two in the ACC, and uh, we'll see. Not that it's FSU's concern, but they could spiral the wrong way now. They 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 put a lot of effort and energy into that. I think honestly, going back to the original broader point, Keith, I think Louisville was surprised slash stunned that FSU had that fight in them when they started the second half. I mean, I think they're in the locker room at halftime, up a touchdown. And I'm not saying they found the cruise control button, but mentally you just relax just a little bit. And Florida State comes out and hits you in the mouth with that touchdown drive. And, and from there it was game on. Yeah, we're going to look back. <clears throat> you know, Coach Norvell talked about how this will be a game he'll remember forever. I, I hope he's wrong because I hope he has some real big wins on down his career. And this one gets a little bit uh, – it slides a little bit out of the consciousness. But I understand what he's saying. But we're going to look back on that first drive of the second half. And uh, that may end up being a turning point in, 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 in this year. Uh, and maybe even in Coach Norvell's career at FSU. That's how significant that was. Uh, Tate settling down, Florida State answering, uh, showing some fight, not quitting, not laying down. Um, that, that drive may end up being something that we we harken back and remember quite fondly. No, no question. I mean, it was, it was just a big, a big second half starting with that drive. It's good overall. Let me look at the, the stat sheet, Keith, and see what else uh, jumps out. Uh, special teams, we got to get to the kicker, but, but first I, I, I had somebody, or I, somebody made a comment, maybe with social media about where, where's all the blockers on uh, one of the Micah Pittman punt returns well it, it was fourth and five-ish around midfield and so they were in punt safe so they had safe, yeah, guys yeah, playing yeah. defense Micah Pittman's job was just to catch the ball it's not as if everybody forgot to block they were just looking at expecting the fake there or guarding against it uh, but Pittman did a good job of catching the punts and that that punter is a good punter for Louisville um, yes but master my, my only my only criticism of of that is catching the ball on the five and you and I have listened to Coach Papushas talk about the fact that, you know, in the old days it was the 10, but now given the way they kick the ball and particularly the Australian um, style of punting, you know, it's back to the six or the seven or maybe the five. So I don't know what his rules are, uh, but I just don't like catching the ball on the five-yard line. That's old school in my, my book. Yeah, it's two things. One of them is the way they kick is different, but the other is that they wait a second or two, which lets the coverage team get down the field. You are fast, correct. You are and they're correct. in better position to down them. Um, you know, Mastromano boomed a huge one that flipped the field. Unfortunately, Louisville scored on three plays. That was the drive, the ensuing drive where Malik had the really long run. Now, the, the downside is, and Florida State did not have the field position advantage there because they got backed up in the first half and the field was tilted the wrong way. But uh, he shanked that one punt. Fortunately, there was a hold which backed Louisville up ten yards further to like the forty-three. But it still was uh, that was not a win. But but other than that, the the real issue is the place kicking, Keith. And I don't know what to do. I was uh, against LSU. I was in the camp of before half, you should have taken the field goal, which was akin to an extra point to get three more points there. Last night, as I watched the game unfold, I was in the camp of just go for it. Don't kick that field goal. And I know Norvell was damned if he did, damned if he didn't on that. Because if, if you go for it and don't get it, and you lose on a touchdown instead of being tied on a touchdown, everybody wants to know why he didn't kick the field goal. So I, I don't know what the solution is, except that 
it's going to have to be part of their game planning or their, their decision-making process that at X yard line and out and X Y yards to go or fewer, it's four down territory and we're not kicking that. That's what it feels like. The most disappointing thing about Ryan, Ryan Fitzgerald is where he missed these. These were not 45, 48 yards. One was from 37. One was from 36. We're spoiled, but those are supposed to be automatics. And he had plenty of leg. It wasn't like he shanked it or hooked it from the standpoint of he missed the ball. He, he just pushed one and overcorrected on the other. And, and now you're getting into an area of football I don't begin to understand, and that being the mental thought process of kickers and punters, because I, I just don't get that. Um, so whatever resources that, that the football team has available on the mental side, uh, we need to be calling those folks in. If they wear white coats, it's just going to have to be embarrassing. Uh, but I think this is all above the shoulders. I don't think it's anything mechanical or otherwise. I'd be interested in Coach Papusha's comments, but I agree with you. I think you now have to guard against that possibility that you're not going to get what you thought you were going to get. Yeah, and they have some walk-ons. I have no idea. I mean, it's been been Ryan's job. Uh, Grothaus transferred after last year. And so, uh, you know, if you think about it, it's two weeks in a row, Keith. You've won games – with those kind of mistakes. I mean, against LSU, you had the ball inside the 10 twice and scored no points. Now you go on the road and you miss two very makeable field goals. They were not, to your point, 54 yards, 49 yards. It was not a windy driving rainstorm night. The only thing that was against him was the crowd. Other than that, the conditions were fine and you just weren't even close on them. And, and yet you won the football game. But that that will come back and catch up to you at some point. Yeah. So I, the, I think- the, other, the other negative, uh, and, and we're nitpicking, but the other negative is, uh, and Coach Norvell addressed the need in the postgame comments that they knew they needed to turn the ball over. The defense needed to get some takeaways. And they did. They got three of them. They got two fumble recoveries and one interception, but no points. And you've got to get points off of turnovers. And um, that, that also is just part of building your program and, and paying attention to it. Um, well, and, and that's remarkable. Again, going back to the LSU game, you get two muffs and you don't score off those either. So I don't think FSU. That's, has, that's my point. I don't think they have a point off turnover this year. Now, they hadn't forced a ton of turnovers. Last night, they got three. Um, but yeah, you got to, especially on the road, just in general, you got to cash some of that in. So they've won in spite of that, which I guess to, to spin that to the positive, Keith, there's still an awful lot of room for improvement and things that can be cleaned up. But you'd rather do it 3-0, and as we say every week, never apologize for a win, right? And, and as our listeners have us. gotten tired of me saying, it's a whole lot easier to teach from the, the, the tape of a win than it is to teach from the tape of a loss. Last night's not a win that you would apologize for, though. That was a gritty, gutty, gutsy win, uh, facing a lot of adversity. Your quarterback goes down, and you do that. That that was impressive. So that will be a – Well, it was a great performance. Speaking of performance, it's time now for our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. And I'm going to give this one to the 6'7 wide receiver, Johnny Wilson. As we talked about, targeted eight times, had seven receptions for 149 yards, two touchdowns. 
a beautiful uh, throwing catch on that 69-yarder from, uh, from Tate. Uh, had an outstanding game, maybe even a breakthrough game. Speaking of performance, Prime Meridian Bank has consistently been, na- been named one of the best banks to work for by the American Banker magazine. Want the bank where they greet you by name? Smiling faces that offer you coffee and a cookie when you walk in the door. Well, that's what I call a great performance. Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank, member FDIC, offices in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland, or on the web at trymybank.com. Well done, Mr. Jones. Anything else we need to add before we... uh... Well, I think now you've got to guard against, um, and this sounds so bad when you're coming off of four years of a losing record, but now you've got to guard against complacency. You've, You've played two... Uh, nationally televised games against two opponents that are recognized LSU as a program, Malik Cullingham as a, as a premier elite quarterback. Now you're going to be playing, you are back at home, but now you're going to be playing on the ACC network at eight o'clock against an opponent that is winless. And uh, you've got to guard against the big head. You've got to guard against we've made it. You've got to guard against we've arrived. You've got to guard against we're back. Because as you alluded to, and Coach Norvell even spoke to this at the tail end of his press conference after the game, there are still a lot of things to clean up. You're not scoring off of turnovers. You're missing field goals. You're doing this. You're not doing that. Got to guard against, okay, we've arrived. And I, I don't think that'll be a problem, but that could be an issue uh, going into that BC game. Yeah, I, I don't think it will be, but I, I get your point. There, there might be enough new faces involved that you can't have that because you're, you're working Tate with the first, with the ones all week. If he's going to be your starter, you're trying to figure out what do you do with the road. By the way, I, I, again, I don't, as we're talking, we have no idea what the prognosis is for Jared verse. I thought Patrick Payton played well for a guy that's young in his career and he's lanky and you want some more meat on the bones. He went in and he impacted the football game. He made some plays in that game last night. He was a guy that I would not have recognized his name you know, just by what you've heard from practice reports and other things, but you certainly noticed him when he got into the contest. I agree with you. Yeah. So that, that was good to see. Uh, it's next man up. That's the way, that's the way football is. And you know, the good news, we knew Florida state was deeper going into this year. They're still not as deep as you want to be. And the unfortunate thing is a lot of that depth has been uh, eroded away already. When you look at a couple guys that went down, on the offensive line. And I don't mean last night. I mean, the guys that were already out for the year, um, but we'll just, we'll just see. We don't, we don't know right now the injury. So I'm not going to speculate on them any more than what I, what I shared. Well, two big things to you, Mr. Block. Number one, it wasn't freezing and it wasn't a blowout in Louisville. And number two, you didn't get wet <laughs> because both of those instances have happened to my friend, Tom Block more than once in Louisville, Kentucky. Paul Kennedy sent me a text yesterday. This makes me feel old, but he said, happy 20-year anniversary to when you drowned in Louisville on Thursday night, which was the Chris Ricks Thursday night overtime loss. And uh, I thought, man, uh, yes, that is true. I mean, I was soaking wet, and and I couldn't believe it was 20 years ago. (laughs) But but that's where we are. (laughs) Welcome to our world, Tommy. Welcome to our world. All right. We'll do this uh, show as we do uh, each and every week on Wednesday. Uh, Appreciate you guys listening. Keith, uh, good to catch up. Uh, Have a good rest of your weekend, and we'll talk next week. Look forward to it. All right. This is Front Row Knowles.